This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to Speak for Yourself. I'm Marcellus Wiley. He is dressed. He is Emmanuel Otto. My man, we're getting this started in the NFL. And the 2022 draft is in the books. Defensive end Trayvon Walker went number one overall. Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback taken in the first round, going 20th to the Steelers. Six wide receivers were selected in the first 18 picks. And in one of the biggest moves of the weekend, the Eagles traded for former Titans wide receiver A.J. Brown. Beast. So, Acho, who was the biggest winner of the NFL draft? If your team's colors are green and white exclusively. Yes. You won the draft. You won the draft. You won the draft. Green and white, Jets and Eagles. I'm going to start with the Eagles. Eagles fans, y'all better listen up and turn your volumes up. Um, You won the draft for this reason, but more importantly, this is what nobody's telling you. A.J. Brown, we all understand what A.J. Brown means for the Philadelphia Eagles. Why did the Eagles win the draft? Because Howie Roseman, general manager, he's done this. He's realized that he doesn't know enough about wide receivers coming out of college, so he says, let me get a proven Uh, young vet. I like that. Howie Roseman, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, he gets him in the second round out of Stanford. Swing, get a miss. <laughs> Howie Roseman, Jalen Rager, first round pick out of TCU. Swing, get a miss. Mm. So Howie Roseman, instead of saying, let me go spend another first or second round pick on a wide receiver, let me couple a proven wide receiver in A.J. Brown with a young, swing, connecting, home run wide receiver, which I drafted last year in Devontae Smith. But here is the kicker that enough people aren't talking about, which is why, to me, the Eagles won the draft. Mm. I think about the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl sale. The laughing stock at wide receiver was Nelson Aguilar. I mean, but Nelson Aguilar, his first two years, though a speedster, struggled. But in 2017, Howie Roseman acquires a young stud wide receiver, Alshon Jeffrey. Mm. Moving Nelson Aguilar from the number one wide receiver now to the number two or three wide receiver behind Torrey Smith. Nelson Aguilar, now that he was a number three overall wide receiver on the depth chart, he balled. Team in turn, balled. I'm looking at the first round pick Jalen Rager for the, for the Eagles from two years ago. Now that he's no longer a feature, but instead the third overall wide receiver behind A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, then you just made Jalen Rager better. You made Jalen Hurts better. You made Devontae Smith better. You made A.J. Brown better. And you ain't even got to deal with no incoming rookies in that wide receiver room. For that reason, the Eagles won the draft. Now, I could also talk about the biggest freak azoid in the whole draft, which was Jordan Davis, defensive lineman out of Georgia. Six, <laughs> four, three, fifty, four, seven, eight, forty. Beast. Come on, dog. That's too much. But I'm not even going to focus there because who I like as an inside backer, Nicobe Dean, also out of Georgia, mechanical engineering major, three, five, five GPA. Oh, that you, what? Does it? <laughs> oh think? my God. Processor. What people don't talk enough about, and Cell will attest to it. If I do not do an adequate enough job. You need your backers to be smart. Mm. You need the captains of your defense to have an high IQ. The best linebackers in the history of the game. Yes, they were great athletes, but boy, were they some IQ phenoms. Mm. So the Eagles got Jordan Davis, freakazoid out of Georgia. They got N'Kobe Dean in the third round, freakazoid out of Georgia. But then most importantly, you get A.J. Brown. 
And you get A.J. Brown, who's 24 years of age, 2,000-yard seasons through his first three seasons, couple him with Jalen Hurts, couple him with Devontae Smith, couple him with Miles Sanders, couple him with Dallas Goddard, couple him with Jalen Rager. Then I look at the Eagles' skill positions, and I say Miles Sanders, second-round pick, Dallas Goddard, second-round pick, Devontae Smith, first-round pick, Heisman winner, A.J. Brown, former first-round pick, Jalen Rager, former first-round pick, Jalen Hurts, second-round pick. You have all the talent you need. The Eagles won the draft because they put a comfortable match for Jalen Hurts to lay on, and now he better sleep peacefully. Mm, not going to argue with that one. We'll talk about the Jets pick yes. and those picks later. But um, I got a team that I think they had an even greater draft you than the Eagles. I'm going with the Detroit Lions. Let me start with the Detroit Lions because the prospects that they got is going to be prospects for impact. Mm-hmm. And in this division, I don't think it's wide open. We know that Green Bay is probably going to win this division. But in terms of closing that gap, I think Detroit did as good a job as they could based on who they selected. Let's start off with my man Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, my God. To play the position that I played defensive end for a decade in the NFL, and to watch Aiden Hutchinson already be better than I was all of those 10 years, including the peak years, as he's entering the NFL, to me, is next level. Let me talk about his arm talent, his being a technician in terms of mastering the position and knowing his craft already. Everyone says, well, there's a little slight in terms of some of his tangibles. Where? He's rangy, he's big, and he is a mastermind in terms of playing that position. You couple that with the fact that they got the best wide receiver in terms of talent. Before injury in Jamison Williams, now you're looking at this situation like, wait a minute. The Detroit Lions, there were 3-3 three and three in their last six games. Detroit Lions that's looking at a division that has two new first-year head coaches, and Aaron Rodgers without all of the arsenal resources he needs. Maybe a division where you can all of a sudden see Detroit Lions climb up in terms of the rankings. I see impact when I see the Detroit Lions. A team that lost a game by two points, another game by two points, another game by two points, another game by three points, another game by four points, and they tied the game. That's six games right there in the balance for the Detroit Lions on top of how they were coming on at the end of the year. You put those prospects and the impact they potentially can have in this division with some continuity at the head coaching job, along with Jared Goff, you got something going. In I love Detroit. it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Can we go to the Big Apple? Oh, I thought we were going to the Big Board, too. Yet, I was like, well, yet, I got my shoes on. Can we go to the Big Apple first because the New York Jets. New York Jets. Mm-hmm. If not Boys. for my partiality to the Philadelphia Eagles, Boys. New York Jets won the draft. So you go out there and you get maybe the second best wide receiver, if not the best, in Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Then beyond that, you get Sauce Gardner, who to me, when you talk consistently, best defensive back, cornerback particularly in the draft. I love me some Derek Stingley, but if y'all know college ball, he had been injured. Mm-hmm. Then you got ACC Defensive Player of the Year, 11 and a half sack guy, Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. But here's why if you are a Jets fan, you argue you won the draft. Because the question for the Jets has always been quarterback. Mm. Always and forever, it has been quarterback. The Jets have never set a quarterback up for success as long as I remember J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 football. (laughs) Let me talk about one of my dearest friends, Mark Sanchez, friend of the show, but obviously close friend of mine. He wasn't set up for success offensively. His defense Baller. He'll tell you that. His running game? Baller. He'll tell you that. But it's not as though he just looked out at all of his skill position and had a plethora of young talent. Mm. Let's talk about Geno Smith. When Geno Smith was a second-round pick to the Jets, he didn't have nobody out there to throw to. Now we can talk about Sam Darnold, top five overall selection just four and a half years ago. 
And you look at Sam Darnold, and once again, he failed because he did not have much help. Now, I'm not going to absolve Sanchez, Darnold, Gino, and everybody, and they mama in between of their blame, but I will say they didn't have a ton of help. Now you look at Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson now has Brees Hall, who was unequivocally the best running back in the draft. They drafted him in the second round. You go out there, and you get Wilson in the first round, and now you look around, and you actually have talent on that roster. Joe Douglas said, if they sorry, that's on them. Mm, mm. But I did my part as a GM of the Jets. So Mm. I think Joe Douglas and the Jets, truth be told, all things considered, they won the draft, particularly as it pertains to just drafting picks. Right? The Eagles, they got A.J. Brown. The Cardinals, they got Hollywood Brown. But as it pertains to just drafting players, Marcellus Wiley, I'm listening. The Jets. Okay, Kobe Bryant on line one talking about, hey man, you sure you know who the best corner in the draft was? Because he was a beast. He was nice to sensitive. He was nice, yeah, especially on the man-to-man coverages. All right, well, it wasn't all positive. Let's shift gears right here. Not everybody in narrative looked like they won the draft. So I'll show who was the biggest loser of the NFL draft. I have some team names here. I have some team names here, but here I got to start. Lamar Jackson. Don't do it. Already. Lamar Jackson, and Mm. we know Lamar Jackson Mm. was the biggest loser of the draft because truth be told, Sal, he told us. You saw him tweeting during the draft. WTF? You saw him tweeting during the draft, crying emojis. If you all do not recall, Hollywood Brown, a speedster, former first-round pick for the Ravens, traded to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, beyond the talent that left the Baltimore Ravens, I'm thinking about the camaraderie. Now, Sal can attest to this. Sal, who was your best friend in the league? My, probably one guy that comes to mind is God, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, Gabe Northern comes to mind. Sam Rogers right behind him. Right? So you, yeah, you, yeah. you got guys in the league. You My got dog. guys in the league. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, uh, Jordan Hicks. I got mm. uh, Earl, Earl Wolf. I got Chris Marigold, Zach Kurtz. But, like, you got yeah. two, three yeah, names. Yeah, yeah. Hollywood Brown is Lamar Jackson's guy. Mm. And when you play a lonely position like quarterback – your wide receiver is your best friend on and off the field. Mm. Show go-to guy. Mm-hmm. Supposed to grind together. Supposed to get it together. Supposed to come out together. And at the end of the day, Hollywood Brown is now gone. And Lamar Jackson clearly did not know. For me, Sal, he loses his big-time playmaker. And keep in mind, Lamar Jackson ain't been paid yet. Yeah, yeah. So Lamar Jackson ain't been paid, Sal, and he lost his deep threat. Mm. I understand that Mark Andrews is a beast. I understand that Rashad Bateman, first-round pick last year, should do numbers. I understand you're getting a lot of running backs coming back from injury. But you lost a dude who can take the top off of a defense. That's a big L. Yeah. Oh, look, let's talk about Lamar Jackson before I get to my loser in the draft. Lamar Jackson, that was a little theater as well because he knew he was losing Hollywood before the draft. But he waited to the draft to actually go out there and say it in terms of fan impact. What the F? To me, it was what the F wake-up call. That's what it was for Lamar Jackson because Hollywood Brown only wanted to get out because you were his quarterback. As much as that's your boy, be real. Did he want out? I don't think Hollywood wanted out. Oh, Hollywood said he wasn't happy. Now, I don't know how unhappy he was, but if you're unhappy and you talk to the general manager before the draft, you agree to a trade before the draft, you talk to John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson before the draft, then really need the, the WTF tweet in that moment during the draft. I think that was for Lamar Jackson, and this is the only thing I ever said, probably negative about Lamar Jackson, think that was for us to start to look at his situation with a little sympathy. Instead of like being real baller, just be like, all right, that's what I got. All right, we're going to go get this. We'll figure this out. But my loser is not there. It's quarterback position. 
My man Justin Fields, oh, my God, with the Bears. It's interesting if you look at what they needed. Talk to me. All right. They, they went defensive backs twice in the second round. Good dudes. Ah, two ways to, to skin this cat playing football. Either, A, we're going to outscore you, or B, we're going to make sure our defense doesn't allow you to score. Mm-hmm. They're choosing the latter, which is fine. But Justin Fields, I think right now he's still under indictment in terms of how he is at the NFL level. So I don't think it serves him well to not have more weapons than he does right now. They drafted in the third round, VJJ. We know respect, but he's kind of more like Darnell Mooney on the team already in terms of, like, pop. And a lot of people thought he was a day three choice. They choose him in day two. Interesting there. All I'm saying is Justin Fields hasn't been properly surrounded with everything he needs when people are still questioning Justin Fields. I know he's young. I know he has tremendous upside and tremendous talent level. But right now, I don't think that they addressed everything they needed at the Bears. Let's talk about it, man. Coming up, we have all the sights and sounds from a great week three in the USFL. We're also picking our players of the week for that. First, I'm all I'll show you one. But first, <laughs> Giannis Ugo, Kumbo, with their talk ball, with their talk the box. Next, speak for yourself. Box game one. Oh man, I ain't talking to you no more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. About Giannis. Bucks went to the game Sunday without all-star Chris Middleton, but <laughs> Giannis, <laughs> no problem. My dog had a triple-double, 24 points, 12 assists, 11 boards, tossed it off the backboard to himself. Yeah, I'm done. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a game. What a game. Anyway, Bucks beat the Celtics. Something Kevin Durant couldn't do. Marcellus Wiley, what message did Giannis send in game one? Oh, man. He's sending it right through you right now. Everybody got on the bright yellow. You so excited. I don't know if you're happier Woo! that the Bucks won or that you're right about the Bucks team. I'm stopped. I'm done. I ain't fighting you no more, Giannis. Say his name. You know how you say it. I can't say it because I don't want to do that to you. Oh, he got me in here doing my tray, fighting in the air, fighting in my own bedroom, living room. What the hell is going on? Giannis, best player in the game right now. Because Kevin Durant's not playing right now. But look at your face. Let me hear but it again. The, Let me hear it again. Let me take off my Giannis is the here. best player in the game playing right now because Kevin Durant's not playing. Uh, but Giannis and his super friends. Let's call it super friends. Let's talk about the squad that he brought. They went out there with three bigs in the start lineup. And they basically said, look, we're going to play some great perimeter defense. Boston, good luck to you guys fighting over the top. If you do. We are going to pack the paint, and it's going to be a problem for you. Boston, who was averaging 113 points before this game, 89 in this game. Shooting 33% postseason low, you saw that. And more importantly, you just didn't see their duo be dynamic. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown only combined for 33 points. So I'm looking at it like, how did this happen? Oh, in case y'all forgot. Drew Holiday's in the building, known for defense, but could put up buckets. Leading scorer for the Milwaukee Bucks. Also, Giannis, knowing that his game is rounding out, but known for defense. They went out there and they're out defense the defensive team, Boston Celtics. I must say, hey, I, I can admit when I'm wrong. 
I don't admit much, but I admit when I'm wrong at this moment right now. Giannis, whatever the rest of you going to say his name is, them boys are special right now. Oh, man, growing up, Sal, we used to hear, hear a song. It was either in class or in church, if you're happy and you know it. Clap your hands. <laughs> I remember that. Boy, I'm happy and I know it. Giannis, what mm, did he prove? Mm, mm. Giannis proved loud and clear that he is the best player in the world. One, Giannis proved loud and clear that he should have been or still should be the NBA MVP. Two, Giannis proved loud and clear that he is a galvanizer of men and a leader of troops. Three, I will start with two. Why should he be the MVP? Because the knock on Giannis, or rather the praise for the favorite to win MVP, the Joker, is look at what he did with so little talent. Mm. Well, Giannis did not have an opportunity to prove what he could do without talent because Chris Middleton did not miss as many games, obviously, as Jamal Murray missing the entirety of the season. But now that Giannis has had the opportunity to prove what he can do without his number two player, we truly see the impact he has on the court. Mm. Keep in mind, Giannis did in one game without his number two player what Kevin Durant could not do in four games with his number two player. That solidifies my first point that Giannis is the best player in basketball. Now, my third point, why is Giannis a galvanizer of men and a galvanizer of troops? Because the Celtics are a phenomenal team. But Giannis gets everybody to follow him. When I think about Bobby Bobby Portis, I don't think about Sprinter. When I think about Brooke Lopez, I don't think about long strider sprinting up and down the court. Mm. When I think about Drew Holiday, I don't think about him as John Moran or Russell Westbrook. But somehow, some way, the Bucks sell had 28 fast break points to the Celtics. Eight. Why? Yeah. Because the whole Bucks roster follows that of Giannis. But here's a play. Mm. If we have it, it's going to be the, uh, the oop to the charge. This is the play that summarizes Giannis to me. Well, everybody focuses on this alley-oop, which was fun. Oh, that's special, bro. Off the glass to himself. <laughs> the real play that you got to know is the charge, the very next possession. Hmm. This is what Giannis did, and Giannis is the only player who both would have and could have executed these last two plays. Oop to himself, dunk to a charge. Why do I say he's the only player who would have and could have? Because Giannis has the ability to do it and the humility to do it. While Kevin Durant can obviously throw oop off the glass to himself, I don't think Kevin Durant would have the humility to go back on the back end and take a charge. While Steph Curry has the humility to go on the back end and take a charge, Steph Curry doesn't have the ability to throw the uh, the ball off the rim to himself. Mm. Giannis is the only player in basketball who could have executed those plays? Sell so anybody who throws a oop off the glass to themselves, whole bench screaming, they still too hyped to get back on defense. We've only seen that a few times that I can remember. I think Tracy McGrady, All-Star Game, circa 2007, 2008. Mm. Kobe Bryant, I believe he did that regular season game, uh, maybe circa 2011, 2012. Giannis does it in a playoff game, then backdoors with this whole 6'11 frame, 250 pounds to take a charge. Only player in basketball who would have and could have done that what did he prove best player in the world nba mvp and a complete and absolute leader of men mm. what an exclamation point from my man emmanuel Otto right there i gotta chime in i gotta add to it uh, he's got the glow right now as they say like bruce leroy got the glow because the game is so slow to him right now that he can make plays like you said on both ends of the court you can make an intentional move and still have the awareness to throw it off the backboard to yourself. You only do that when you feel like it's not high stakes or it is high stakes, but to me, this is going very slow. Then you walk 
yourself back down to the other end of the court, keep your composure, and expose yourself to take the charge. Got to respect it. But as a whole, I respect the Bucks more for this. There's two ways you approach the game mentally. You're going to play your game, but also how do I take them out of their game? Mm-hmm. And I saw that from the Milwaukee Bucks. They took Boston out of their game. Boston shot 50, 53 pointers. What are y'all doing? You know why? That defense was so good, especially on the perimeter. They was like, let's just shoot. Path of least resistance. That's what happens. You don't want to go in there and drive. The three bigs are there. Giannis is in there, clean sweeping everything. So you just start jacking them and jacking them. And those really turn into prayers after a certain point. 53 pointers. They only made 10 two-pointers. Second time in NBA playoff history. 10 two-pointers. That lets you know shot selection was all misdirected because they didn't want to go through what Giannis and this Bucks team was offering defensively. So to me, it was a masterful game. You get a rested Boston Celtics team, red hot Boston Celtics team, hottest team in the last part of the regular season and postseason. They sweep the Brooklyn Nets. They come at home and they're playing fully loaded and ready for you. And you're without your number two. And you do this, the the psychological damage of this game is going to be tremendous through this series. And quick hint and aside, all these NBA analysts, y'all got to have some grace for the Celtics. Man, the Celtics had no solution for Giannis. They had no solution for Giannis. (laughs) Hint, there is no solution for Giannis. Mm. Giannis shot nine for 25. It's not like Giannis was out there just balling and beasting. Yeah, right. The Celtics gave up their best solution for Giannis, but they're is no solution for Giannis. He shot 9 for 25, Cell, and still had 24, 13, and 12. 9 for 25 is atrocious. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And he still had a complete and full triple-double and still led his team to victory. So let's not sit here and act like, man, the Celtics just need to have a better game plan. Yeah. What better game plan will you have than Giannis going 9 for 25? You won't. You had a good game plan, but there are just no solutions for something like that. Mm. And that's what it comes down to. Furthermore, I talked about this on Thursday, Cell. Giannis has full belief in his teammates. Mm -hmm. And as long as Giannis has full belief in his teammates, I just think it's blouses. Because Giannis (laughs) trusts that if he gets doubled and kicks to Connaughton, Connaughton going to hit the shot. Giannis trusts that if he gets doubled and kicks to Matthews, Matthews going to hit the shot. Giannis trusts that if he's coming down on a break and Drew Holiday spotting up and he kicks to Drew... Drew going to hit the shot. So as you tell me, and I've now agreed to in life, there are no solutions, just trade-offs. Yeah, yeah. And there truly is no solution for Giannis. Mm. There's just a trade-off. But the trade-off will still lead to you taking an L. I think the Celtics are going to compete in this series, win a couple games. But at the end of the day, if the Bucs can beat you, it's your spot. And if the Bucs can beat you when Giannis goes 9 for 25, I just don't know if you got a shot. You ain't lying. The way it looks. Where we sound, it may be over for the Boston Oof. Celtics. But guess what? It's not over for all you football fans out there. It's time to talk USFL, which just wrapped up an amazing week three. Let's take a look back at all the action. It is time. Saturdays are for the USFL on Fox. He's got running room. The ball slips through the hands, and he dribbles it in. Amazing catch. Going what he does best. Doesn't get much more exciting than that. 
Bring it in. This past weekend, where am I right? Oh, my uh, God. I came in hot. I knew QB. Goodness gracious. Calm down. I love you it. auditioning for the USFL, too? <laughs> Sheesh. This past weekend, USFL definitely had football fans fired up. But now, we want to focus on our choices for player of the week. And it's not our mm. off-quarter or quarterback. So, Marcellus, get us started. Who's your player of the week? Oh, let me get it started where it started for me. At the running back position. And wearing my number, number three. Running back for the Michigan Panthers, Reggie Corbin out here. University of Illinois made his mark over the weekend. Panthers rushed for 250 yards. Nothing slight. And Corbin accounted for 132 of them. Added a touchdown in Michigan's blowout and a win over the Pittsburgh Maulers. Acho, who's your player of the week? I see you, My player of the week, Jordan Tamu. If y'all remember him from Ole Miss, he kicked Shea Patterson up out of there. He was actually A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf's quarterback. But now in the USFL, he had himself a weekend. Two total touchdowns, over 250 passing yards, and led the Bandits 48 yards on their final drive to set up a field goal for the win over the Houston Gamblers. So Jordan Tomlin was still balling both back when he was in the SEC and now in the USFL. Mm. So do not forget, USFL action sale. It continues Friday as the Philadelphia Stars battle the Michigan Panthers. 10 Eastern, FS1. Then Saturday, 7 Eastern on Fox, Todd Haley's Tampa Bay Bandits. Let's go. Take on Skip Holt and the Birmingham Stallions. You don't want to miss it, and you also don't want to miss this dialogue, because coming up, mm. Aaron Rodgers ain't happy again. At least I wouldn't be if I were him. Packers, they didn't draft a receiver in the first round of this loaded class. <laughs> Shame on them. We'll tell you how Aaron Rodgers should feel right now. That's next. Feet for you. Goodness gracious, QB. I know. Got to bring in a guy who knows a thing or two or three about Aaron Rodgers and Packers football. Super Bowl champion, NFL Network analyst, James Jones. And a suit fitted, too, though. Oh, that thing clean right there with the checkerboard right there. Welcome to the show, my dog. And there was wide speculation that the Packers would use one of their two first-round picks on the wide receiver after trading Devontae Adams. But they went all defense. However, they did trade up in the second round for wide receiver Kristen Watson. And also pick receivers in the fourth and seventh rounds. Ah, Cho, how upset should Aaron Rodgers be after Patrick's draft? Man, I'm going to give it to y'all like this. I'm going to give it to y'all like this. Um, He should be upset because you can't get rid of a bona fide number one and not replace him. Mm. You feel me, right? Like, and I, and I can't was that wait in the for draft, James. Though was that bona fide number one in the draft? Ooh. Oh man! And when you look at the six first round picks, so we're in the draft. When you look at Gary, <laughs> what you played offense? You playing defense <laughs> already? Fast too. He ready? Let's go. I, let's, let me start in Dallas. Sell played in Dallas. I was born in Dallas. So start in Dallas. They lose. They get rid of Des Bryant, 2016. They never replaced Des Bryant. Next thing you know, they struggling. Uh, let's trade a first round pick for Amari Cooper. Keep Amari Cooper for three years. They up and get rid of Amari Cooper. Let's talk about the New York football Giants. Get rid of Odell Beckham. What was it, 2018? Never replace Odell Beckham. We try to piecemeal him. Uh, let's go with Golden Tate here. Maybe a little Kadarius <laughs> Tony there. Evan Ingram here. You never replace him. What happened to the Giants? What happened to the Cowboys? If you get rid of a bona fide number one and you have no contingency plan, you end up lost for years. Mm. I Packers got rid of. Hey, hey, hey. I agree with that a little bit. Hey, 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 give me yeah, a second, yeah, James. Something. I'm just getting cooking. Okay, the pot ain't even boiling yet. Kettle ain't even whistled yet. I'm waiting, um, I'm waiting. Now look, if you get rid of Devontae Adams, who you know one of the best receivers in the league, if not the, the best. best. Yeah, there it is. 
the best receiver in football, and you don't replace him with a bona fide one, then James, that's where I'm like, ah, if I'm Rodgers, I'm a little bit heated. I don't mind you taking a one from me, yeah. but I need a one in return. Well, we mind you taking that one. But, <laughs> <laughs> Not that. But, but at the same time, um, Aaron and the Packers is in a really good spot right now. Okay. So I know that he probably has some conversations with them. And I don't feel like, well, obviously, there is no Devontae Adams in the draft. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like at that point that they had to reach for one. Like, you got Wyatt, who's going to be right next to my man, uh, the big D tackle that's, in my humble opinion, is second behind uh, Aaron Donald mm-hmm. when, you talk, when you talk about getting at the press. So you got two really good defensive tackles, mm-hmm. and then you're going to get a linebacker in Quay that can run. You know, mm-hmm. so I felt mm-hmm. like they did what they needed to do on the defense. And I love what you said about the Giants. I love what you said about Dallas. But it's the chef in the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> Dak Prescott don't throw like 12. Okay. Ooh. He talking. Eli Manning don't throw like 12. So you you need bona fide number ones when you're talking about Dak Prescott and you're talking about Eli Manning. When you're talking about arguably the greatest thrower of the football that we've ever seen in Aaron Rodgers, you don't need bona fide number one. Now, don't get me wrong. Tay is a bona fide number one. I st- we still got problems when I see him for leaving the Packers. But to get a guy in the second round and then to come back and get a guy in the fourth round out of Nevada, I feel like they addressed the receiver position of what they needed. You got a guy that can go in Christian Watson, that can burn, that can open yeah. up the field. They have a really good run game. You still have Lazar. You, you brought in Sammy Watkins. You have Randall Cobb, guys that can run routes and get open. And now you bring in Christian Watson, who can really blow the top off this stuff and really don't have to come in there and think about too much. Everybody talks about chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. Well, listen, we need you to run post. We need you to run go. We need you to run comeback. Mm-hmm. All right. As the season goes on, we'll open up this playbook for you. But right now, this is what we need you to do for the offense. And 12 will make you right. And 12 will make this offense go. But 12 don't need a bona fide number one wide receiver to have a really good year. You've seen 12 go out there Ooh. with receivers that's not been in the first round, and he's has four MVPs. Not saying we can't play, mm. but I have not seen nobody <laughs> throw the football the way 12 throws. Boy, he got that oh, preacher mic on. Like you see that ball you be talking about? I like my dog. Irritating up here. Hey, you know what, James? You're right. Aaron Rodgers should not be upset. Matter of fact, should be satisfied with this draft right now. You got three receivers, including one. Your Lord and Savior and Christian Watson right now. You got to respect that 4-3 speed that he has. And the guy was productive, even though it was a small school. Yeah. Put my hand up in the air. Small school yeah. players translate. We do well. We are. Right. We are. Right. We do our thing. And you got to understand. Done? Oh, are y'all oh, done? Oh, the did y'all get anybody drafted? Underachieving, <laughs> you underachieving high school project? Okay, here we go. Here's the microphone. Uh, did UT get anyone drafted this draft? Anyone? Look at that face. I love you too, Acho. Oh, here we go. Why do you go to UT? Here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers is not used to getting a first-round receiver. In this draft, you can't reach for one of those first-round receivers. Why? They're already gone. The first six were already off the board. Now you look at your draft board for what it is. No Devontae Adams right now. And everyone's trying to replace him immediately. Don't compare me, if I'm Christian Watson, right now to what Devontae Adams is right now. Compare me to when he first got to Green Bay. Okay. It took him five years to become Devontae Adams, crack a 1,000 yards receiving, et cetera. Aaron Rodgers will have him in the best position to hit the ground running. I look at this draft class, and they get a draft class grade of an A because, like you said, they went defense. That defense is loaded. 
True. Say what you want. That defense is loaded. It is. Now all you need is Aaron Rodgers to work his magic with some young receivers or some undeveloped receivers. It's all going to come together for Green Bay once again. Jay, first time on the show with you, man. First time on the show. It's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Um, here's the thing about Marcellus. Uh-oh. I would say that Marcellus lies. He wouldn't. Uh-uh. He would say he tells the truth too early. So mm. let me tell a truth too early to you. I'm interested in your feedback on this. I, I came up with this hypothesis about two months ago. The great teams in the NFL nowadays, they have two beasts at receiver. Two. Think about your Rams that won the Super Bowl. <coughs> yeah. Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham. Think about the team that was in the Super Bowl with the Rams. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Mm-hmm. Think about the championship games. Buffalo Bills. Gabriel Davis gives you four touchdowns, mm-hmm. and you have Stephon Diggs. Yeah, Think about on the flip side, um, you have Ty- Tyreek Hill. You have Travis Kelsey. Okay, think about last year's Super Bowl. You have Mike Evans, Antonio Brown. You also have Gronk. We don't have to do that. But think about last year's Super Bowl again as well. I'm not talking the Rams Super Bowl, but I'm talking the Bucks versus the Chiefs. Once again, you had Hill and Kelsey. The history in the league shows us uh, James, that you need a couple cats, a couple dogs. Mm. As I look at it, <laughs> even if you do, in fact, like Watson, who came out of North Dakota State, even if you love his 4-3 speed, you lost Adams. You lost MVS. I understand that 12 is nice, and I understand he's won MVPs, oh, but MVPs are no longer what he needs. <clears throat> At this junction, he needs another Super Bowl. Yeah. So unless you're going to give him your other ring yeah. and be like, hey, here goes number two, I can't be content with this draft if I'm him because I'm looking around and other cats got two horses, two horses, two horses, and at best I got one. I hear what you're saying because, you know, obviously receivers put the butts in the stands and quarterbacks put the butts in the stands. But mm-hmm. last time I checked in that Tampa Super Bowl with all them big names, Patty Mahomes was running for his life. Mm. Last time I checked in the Rams Super Bowl that they just won, who won the game? Aaron Donald on fourth down came through there and made the play to win that game. So you got Kenny Clark now. You got Wyatt. You coming to push that pocket. Obviously, you got Rashawn Gary. You got Preston Smith. The defense is loaded. So now you're saying 12, you might have to win, score 17 points to win some games? I'm sure 12 will take that. And I understand. I'm with you. You need some guys to throw the ball to. But when you're a special throw over the football like 12, you don't need two dogs. Mm-hmm. You don't need two dogs. And they got two dogs in the backfield that can run the ball. You get Robert Tanyan back at the tight end position, who's a really good pass catching mm-hmm. tight end. And like you said, you go get Christian Watson, who can go. But you don't need two dogs. They won yeah. no Super Bowls. I got a question. On defense. I got a question. I got a I'm question. You. <laughs> I got a question. <laughs> because me and Sel always say that the year the Packers won the Super Bowl, and this is statistically true, yes. finally had a top five defense. Yeah, they finally did. There it is. But they also had four cats who they could did. go get the ball. We did. I mean, didn't even need your Michael Finley. Like, J. Mike got hurt in the middle of the season. And mind you, J. Mike was that prototype tight end before that prototype existed. Like, J. Mike was before his time. I only know him because he went to Texas. But J. Mike was Travis Kelsey before Travis. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was a dude. Had that neck injury. But with that being said, you talking about 12, Aaron Rodgers. But y'all had one, two, three, four dudes. And now you're telling me he can win with just one? One. I just think he's going to skin it a different way. Think about it. Last year, you had Devontae Adams in the playoffs. How did that turn out? No passing touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers and only three points scored in the last three quarters. Mm -hmm. They're basically looking at it like how Kansas City is looking at their situation with Tyreek Hill. Look, how far are we going with this same blueprint, same game plan? Let's alter this. So now you can see right now in Green Bay, they're going heavy defense because we could count on you, 12, to make these other receivers step up. To what level? Devontae Adams level? No one's saying that. But we can balance that with a tremendous defense because last time we gave you a tremendous defense, you were able to get over the hump. 
Obviously, you had greater names and greater talents, but Aaron Rodgers never needed first-round talent at the position to make yeah. it happen. And, and I'm with you because I know Aaron Rodgers is sitting there like, man, if you take some of them dudes off the defense and you give me Jordy Nelson, James Jones, mm. Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, I'll take that. Yeah. But at the same time, he understands too, though, if, I, if we can stop people and you put the ball in my hands – I don't really care who trot out there with me. I'm going to make the right plays, and I'm going to help this team. You sure Aaron's saying that? Because Aaron won Super Bowl, yeah. four MVPs. Listen to this. Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, five-time Pro Bowler, two-time Pro Bowler. You don't see multi-time champion. So Aaron Rodgers like, look, all these numbers, they, are they adding up yeah. totally to a Super Bowl championship? But the one time he had top five defense, one time. One. Oh, no, I'm with you. Hi, y'all went one for one. I'm with so you. So I'm just thinking somebody upstairs yeah. just had to tap him on the shoulder and say, 12, let us do it a different way. I feel it, Sal. I feel it. But, I, man, here, here's what I can't deny. Okay. I can't deny the, the one time he won a chip, you had, what, five receivers over 500, four receivers over 500 yards. Okay. Four of them. Yeah. From Jordy to Driver to James to Greg. Okay. So that's where I'm just like, I love defense. You're yeah. a defensive player. I'm a defensive player. But we can't turn a blind eye to Aaron Rodgers and his ineptitude against the Niners in the playoffs. Mm. Y'all watch the game. I know you watch it with a keen eye. Me and Sal <laughs> watch it with a keen eye. We cannot turn a blind eye to his literal ineptitude in that game. Yeah. I hear y'all on defense. I really do. But regardless of who the Packers had on defense, Jimmy G., should not have been able to trot into Green Bay, hmm. mind you, with the Packers coming off a of bye week and beating that Packers squad. If you yeah. give Aaron Rodgers more help, I too feel like he would get it done. But I guess chicken or the egg? Yeah, they, they should have got that one done, period, though. The defense, the way they come out there, you talk about 10 points. I mean, Thank and, you. and you got a bona fide number one. And you got Adams there. Adams. I mean, Aaron and Tay got a score. Mm-hmm. That, 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 is, that is on them. The defense did their job. Obviously, everybody want to blame it on the special teams. But for me, you got to score. It shouldn't even been in the special team's hands. You got to go down there and score points the way the defense was playing. So I put that one on Devontae and Aaron. They got to go down there and put some points up on the board. And that's why I truly feel like you don't need that number one receiver. Mm. You had Devontae Adams out there on the field, and, you, and it still didn't work. So let's go build this defense up. But, hey, listen, we'll still get you some guys that can play the receiver position, and you go out there and play with. Christian Watson could play. I think he's going to yes. have a hell of a year out there with Aaron Rodgers making a bunch of plays out there. And like you said, they got a really good offensive line. You get Bakhtiari back, and you're going to be able to tote the rock and run the rock. I think it's going to come through with Green Bay again, and we'll see if they can finally get it done. Yeah, man, they ain't put up points with Devontae Adams in the post season last year and their loss to the 49ers. So points and numbers and then Devontae wants his money, which he deserves. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, but now it's about resources. We're having a different conversation in terms of working this all under the cap. They went low. They went defense. They went young. Coming up, Draymond Green was ejected in the second quarter Sunday, but did he deserve it? We'll answer that next. Don't speak for yourself. What about you here tomorrow? Okay, cool. <laughs> Draymond Green was ejected in the second quarter of the Warriors game one win yesterday for mm. flagrant two foul on Brandon Clark. Now, Steph Curry told the rest the call was, quote, bleeping crazy. Wow. And after the game, Draymond said on his podcast, quote, I think tonight was probably a reputation thing, more so than a hard foul. Mm. So, Sal, did Draymond deserve to be ejected? Why or why not? Uh, Yes, he deserved to be ejected. And why? Because the intent was no longer to play basketball through those motions. And it got lost in there. I'm not going to say he walked in there premeditated. I'm about to go take one of these flagrants and get kicked out. 
But throughout the process of the micro frames that we're going to see of this play, you realize quickly that Draymond has something else on his mind other than playing the game of basketball. It's okay to go out there. You got beat on the play. You're trying to go around the defense. And then you swipe at the ball. You try to make your play. We're going to walk through this. Little that dude's dudes right here, basketball version. But then that left hand, it had a mind of his own. What was the left hand doing in terms of grabbing the jersey and pulling Brandon Clark down? In that moment, everybody's thinking, hey, Draymond, you all right? You know how dangerous this is when someone's in the air to pull them down. Now, in full recovery and just being a good human being, he tries to break his fall. He tries to help him in that moment. But Brandon Clark, being smarter than him and also not your teammate, <laughs> I'm going to lay here, baby. My neck and my back, everything is slower in this moment. Brandon Clark laying effect to what Draymond did. I'm not saying that Draymond went out there premeditated, but he know what he did was not playing basketball. Uh, I agree with you, Sal, and it's interesting because the outcry and the outrage on social media was Draymond shouldn't have been ejected. It's sports. Let the players play. Keep the stars in the game. False correction. <laughs> um, yeah, Draymond Green got ejected because of who he was, and that's rightfully so. Mm. So think about it, bro. Judicial system. What do they always look at? What's your criminal history? Record. We want to decide what kind of bail we are going to allow you to post, if we are going to allow you to post bail at all, based upon your record. Mm -hmm. Okay, if y'all ain't been to jail or know someone who has, we don't have to go that extreme. No hyperbole needed. Just yeah. think relationally. You dictate your response to somebody who commits an offense against you based upon their record. Mm. Your significant other, late to dinner. Oh, if they're not usually late, it's all good. But if your significant other is habitually late to dinner <laughs> and they late to dinner, now all of a sudden y'all have to have a conversation mm. because you treat someone's action and you punish someone's action based upon their record. Draymond Green needed to get ejected. Why? Because what's Draymond Green's record, bro? Mm. His record, historically speaking, even in the finals 2016, is elevating action. And here's the thing that frustrates me most about Draymond. Why is it always inconclusive? I, I, I was trying to help him up. Uh, oh, well, uh, well, 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 they were trying to step over me. Yeah. Why is it always inconclusive? Nah, big dog. Fool yeah. me once, shame on you. Fool me uh. twice, shame on me. And the rest weren't about to get fooled. But more importantly, don't undermine how phenomenal a game of basketball we were going to witness yesterday and are going to witness this series by making it, like, childishly uh, chippy. Mm, let's talk. I don't mind professional chippiness, right? Yeah. Y'all playing the game, whether it's football, basketball, whatever the case may be. I don't mind professional chippiness, but don't make it childishly chippy. Mm. So, J Draymond, you grabbing a guy's jersey, going to the ground. Now, next possession, what if Clark tries to retaliate? Now, next possession, you try to retaliate. Or Tooney tries to retaliate on your behalf or pull us. Now, we're sitting here watching some of the best ball players, mm. period. Some of the best scorers, because truth be told, guards just make the game of basketball look pretty because because they're not big, they have to finesse off their size. Now, rather than being able to admire Klay Thompson, John Morant, Poole, Jackson, rather than being able to admire the game, we sit here looking at chippiness. Mm. I respect the rest, and you know what? Let me go ahead and stop this before it even starts. Yeah, you got to set a precedent. That was smart of the refs. Like, look, we can't have this. We have now crossed the border of playing basketball. But I'm going to give Draymond a pass in a global sense. But first, I got to personalize it because one of the things that kept me from being a greater version as a player in the NFL was, I'm going to be real, 
I was too damn mindful. My mindfulness got in the way. I'm always thinking, even when I was playing, very few moments did you feel like you just get lost in the moment for me. But that's different for other players. And I noticed that some of the guys that I played with and watching Draymond Green, they're maniacal. Mm. They're extreme. They get into a place where they show their behavior and sometimes it's dangerous. I get it. But they are lost in the passion for that moment. Whereas other players are more calculating. You can see it displayed in different forms. This is why I give them a pass. Because what makes Draymond Green is also going to break Draymond Green. You can't ask a guy like Draymond Green who sits out there, not the biggest, not the fastest, not the strongest, and doesn't always have the greatest stat line. To have that level of contribution despite the counting numbers being that low means this dude is doing something else. And his secret sauce is being maniacal. Mm. Where my secret sauce was just based off of some tangibles. And if I could have been a little more mindless instead of mindful, maybe I would have been even greater than I was. Mm, I like that take. Um, here's my final conclusion on why Draymond should have been ejected. Ejected. Go. Because you administer an ejection or you administer consequences in life to punish based off the past or to give somebody fear of the future. Mm -hmm. Those are the two reasons you administer mm -hmm. consequences. Let's talk. If you give consequence to a child, it's to punish them based off what they did in the past, but also give them caution of the future. Hey, MJ, don't put your hand on a hot stove. Mm -hmm. Oh, you want to put your hand on the stove? I told you not to. Punishment. Bang. All because right. I've got to punish what you just did in the past, but I also need to give you fear of the future so you don't do the same thing again. Mm -hmm. If you are ejecting Draymond Green, then what you're doing is saying, hey, you're going to get punished for grabbing Clark's jersey, punishment for the past. But also, I need to make sure you don't try nothing slick going forward. Mm. It's going to be a long series. Yep. At least another three games. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a series now, Draymond. If we don't eject you for that, now what are we going to have to deal with? So... What I've learned, and I'm, I'm done. I give a quick story. What a, a quick story, quick story, quick story. I gotta be so quick. I know you're right. I give a three-minute story. Oh uh, damn, no, no. no. <laughs> um, moving into my new house. Mm. When I moved into my new house, you told me this. Several people told me, "Hey, Acho, you better up your security system. Mm -hmm. You you're better right. up your security system." You're right. But what I've learned about security systems is better than catching a criminal is to deter a criminal Boom. from the crime. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's one thing to catch a criminal stealing all your goods on camera. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> but better than catching a criminal is to actually deter the criminal in the first place. Mm -hmm. So what the rest did rightfully by ejecting Draymond is, hey, I don't even want to catch you, big dog. I just want to deter you from future action. That's the point of making an example. So yeah, Draymond was made an example of, mm -hmm. and Draymond Green was punished based upon his name, but his reputation precedes him for better and for worse. Mm, yes, yes. It's crazy because watching the end of Scarface ties into your point of trying to catch a criminal or deter a criminal. And I remember watching the Scarface at the end. I was like, damn, he got all that security and they still got him. So the game is not to just say, no one's ever going to break into my home, anything like that. Let me loop this around. You know what the moment is? It's about that fear of, oh, I shouldn't do that because I know that they're out there looking for that. That's the deterrent you're talking about with Draymond Green. You're talking about your own home security system. My wife and I had that conversation. We were talking about, she's like, why do they have random screening at the airport? Now, she's younger than me, so I've lived through, do you, you don't even know this. You used to be able to go to the airport as long as you make your flight, you're good. Like, you will literally park your car, you can, two minutes, get on the flight. I remember those days. And now, the random screening. Why are they pulling over every 20 cars, every 50 cars? Because they know 
one of those people in that car who was thinking something may be like, I don't want to be that one who gets pulled over. So the deterrent for Draymond Green, who has second most flagrant fouls in the last 10 postseasons, only behind Dwight Howard, they're trying to deter him. But they know that Draymond Green going to be maniacal. Draymond Green going to be Draymond Green. It's the rest of that NBA sitting there saying, man, I don't want that same fate. Don't pull me over when I'm at that airport. Coming up, one of college football's top wide receivers could be transferring to USC over an NIL deal. It's coming, y'all. We have a lot to say about this next on Speak for Yourself. All-American wide receiver Jordan Addison could be transferring from Pittsburgh and USC is a potential destination, according to reports. A big NIL deal could be a reason why. And Pitt head coach Pat Narduzzi even called Trojans coach Lincoln Raleigh to express his displeasure since officials from the university think tampering could have occurred. Acho, did you have an issue with Jordan Addison transferring to USC? I have absolutely no issue with Jordan Addison transferring to USC. For everybody who submits that Jordan Addison transferring to USC and the NIL is terrible for college football, I would submit that not having the NIL was terrible for college football players' lives. Mm. Case in point, Justin Ross. Justin Ross, beast from Clemson. He went undrafted. Marcellus Wiley went undrafted out of this year's draft. But Justin Ross in 2019 led the Clemson team. 1,000 yards, 46 receptions, freshman record. And guess what? Nine touchdowns en route to leading Clemson over Alabama to a national title. Now, four months later after that national title, guess who got a new 10-year, 93 million dollar deal? I'm listening. Head coach Dabo Sweeney. Get your Guess who got $450,000 in bonuses for waking it to the college football playoff and winning the college football national championship? Head coach Dabo Sweeney. Same dude. Guess who got no money in 2019, though he set freshman records for Clemson and helped Clemson beat Alabama? Different dude. Justin Ross. Damn, him again. So the same Justin Ross who now went undrafted because he suffered a spinal injury during the course of his career at Clemson, and thus NFL teams are weary and leery of giving him money, and as a result, Justin Ross lost anywhere from 16 to $20 million, given the fact that he would have been a first-round pick. Mm. Don't talk to me about Jordan Addison and NIL ruining college. Because not having NIL ruined lives of individuals. And I just submitted this one case of Justin Ross, who I trust will still overcome and have a tremendous career. The Chiefs just signed him earlier today. But I like Jordan Addison transferring. And now it's about to get personal. Let's go. Not for me, but for (laughs) y'all. The point of college is to prepare you for adulthood. Mm. Whether you are a major in engineering, whether you are a major in communications, whether you are a major in journalism, the point of college is to prepare you for adulthood. What better prepares a college football for adulthood than the transfer portal and then NIL? Mm. Let me talk about a couple young receivers in the NFL, can I? <laughs> A.J. Brown, Sal, where did he go? Ooh, he went from Tennessee to Pennsylvania, and he got a lot more money to do so. Yeah. Hollywood Brown, on a whim. He went from Maryland to Arizona, and he likely will get a lot more money to do so. So now, what better preparation than Jordan Addison going from Pennsylvania to Southern California? Colleges to prepare you for the pros, whether it's in sports or in life. So the NIL and the transfer portal isn't ruining college football. Mm. It's actually the best measurement of preparation for these kids mm. to the next level. I got more, but I can't wait to hear what you got to say. Oh, man. Uh, I got to take a little of the, 
Sauce off of that one right Don't there. Take too much, yeah, though. I, I mean, it was tasting good. Uh, you said absolutely no problem. I have no issue. I say no problem, but it's not absolute. Let's talk about it for real. It's not right what's happening to a Pittsburgh roster. It's not right. You know why? Because what we have lost is commitment. But I understand why we lost commitment. Because everyone was gaining in riches except the players. So we had to now undermine what commitment looks like. Why stay still if there's no money here? NIL deals obviously help out in that situation. But what Pittsburgh is saying here, without saying it, is really that they're upset at the way the world works. And I understand why they're upset at the way the world works. We all know that it runs downhill, Pitt runs downhill. We're going to talk about it right now because they're seeing USC, the rich, get richer. What people are really upset in this world is happening in our real life world policies and social issues. And it's happening right now at the collegiate level is this. A few have the most. A few have the most. USC took Caleb Williams. That's fine. USC to Mario Williams. That's fine. USC. Now looking at you, Jordan Addison, like you come over here too. A few have the most. So Pittsburgh is saying, look, what can we fight with? What weapons are we left with? We can't compete in NIL deals. We can't compete in terms of the talent pool. Only way we can commit is by some of the old school values like commitment. And that's why I have a problem with this this much. The dad in me, the guy who transferred high schools and then I was asked another year to transfer to another high school, three high schools in four years. And I said, I can't. I got to stay committed. I got to stay in a place and be secure. And I'm looking at it from Pittsburgh's perspective. And they're like, dude, first of all, he became the Blitnikoff Award winner as a sophomore because he was on our team. And then y'all going to wait the rich and take him when he's at his richest right here. That's my only issue, but that's the dad in me. That's the old school value system that I'm still holding on to, even though this world is fluid and it is all transitioning. But I understand their plight. I understand their situation because Pitt can't fight what USC is out there fighting with. And I feel you on the dad in you, but here's where I caution everybody. Just think about the players. For so long, the NCAA has thought about itself. For so long, the NCAA has thought about the men's programs, particularly three, football, basketball, and baseball. And for so long, the NCAA has thought about the coaches, but has never thought about the players. The players are an afterthought. You take what we give you, and you dare not ask for more. Those days are gone. They're dead and gone, mind you. I love that. I think about Manny Diaz, a close friend of mine, my college coach. He was a coach, defensive coordinator at Miami. He left Miami to go be the head coach at Temple. Announces a recruiting class, talks about Temple Tough. Before ever signing that class, he dipped from Temple back to become the head coach (laughs) in Miami. Yeah, yeah. Think about Willie Taggart. Goes to Oregon. We are going to build this brand here in Eugene. We're going to put this football program back on top. (laughs) Less than 365 days later, Willie Taggart left to go to a better football school. Manny Diaz leaves Temple to go to a better football school. Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame to go to LSU, a better football school. Mario Cristobal leaves Oregon to go to Miami, a better football school. So how dare we get mad at Jordan Addison Mm -hmm. for leaving Pitt to go to USC, a better football Mm. school? Mm. Our coaches are doing it all of the time. Our coaches are breaking their contracts. But get this. Our coaches are breaking their contracts and getting raises. 
<laughs> Not only are they breaking their contracts, they're breaking their contracts, getting paid to break their contract and leave mm. the kids. Talk about all the negative reinforcement. Mm. We are going to honor you for breaking your contract. And how are we going to honor you, coach, for breaking your contract? We're going to honor you for breaking your contract by giving you a raise. And we have the audacity to get mad at Jordan Addison? Mm. Come on, man. Oh, well, let's talk to this. We Please. need a little more time. Um, let me throw another name at you. Please Chip do. Kelly on his pursuit to becoming Chip Kelly, recruited me to go to Columbia. On the phone, talking to Chip Kelly, looking forward to it. Yeah, get to Columbia, Chip Kelly, go. He on his way. Now, this is what is highlighted through what you're saying, what I'm saying. This is why you got to understand what Pitt is saying. What Pitt is saying is, and they don't, there's another thing they don't want to say, but I'll be your lawyer. Jordan Addison, did you qualify to go to USC at the time that you were leaving high school? I wonder, I wonder. Yes, no, maybe so. But now you're going to use us up in the process of getting to the level where USC is sitting there as one of the suitors at the transfer portal. And then you're going to leave us high and dry. What do we get in response to that? Your counter is this. The coaches could do it, but you don't right a wrong with another wrong. Or is it right in the first place? That's the great point about all of this. Because this is what happens in the Ivy League a lot of times. And I've seen it and I've read articles about it. People get admitted to the Ivy League and they use extracurricular activities. They use admissions through athletics and get on there. And then as soon as they get there, they got admitted, they quit. And since it's not scholarship, what can you do? They just long they pay their tuition, they got to stay. But did you qualify for that opportunity without using that as your weapon? They're looking at Jordan Addison like, dog, you going to USC now? But we are the ones that help make you, help do this with you. And that is a conversation, if we have a little time right now, yes, sir. that needs to be respected at but, least. So you are a father of four. So you know this far better than I, but I played sports, so I know a parallel of this. Mm. The goal in my mind, from what I've heard and from what I've lived with my own father, is you want to at least let your son, your daughters, et cetera, emulate you. Okay. Whatever Marcellus Wiley does, whatever Anna Marie does, hopefully it is worthy of emulation. Yeah, yeah. Right? You don't live a household of do as I say, not as I do. No. Hopefully it's say do as I say and as I do. And do more. <laughs> and and I do did. more and do better. <laughs> yeah. If that's how parenthood is, and we know that coaching to some degree, it mimics that, it's coaching. Okay. Do as I say. Uh-huh. Do as I do. Yeah. What are we seeing from coaches? We are literally seeing coaches. Who was it? Cliff Kingsbury. Yep, I'm about to go be the OC at USC. Going to Arizona. Head coaching job, baby. Yeah, yeah, like, we yeah. literally see uh-huh. coaches do it all the time. So if in sports, and I know this firsthand because a, in sports, your coach says, hey, just do what I tell you to do. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing what you're doing, coach, then I'm just following your footsteps because mm. you're the same coach who told me you was going to be here forever when you commit, when you came to my house and my mama cooked for you, cooked <laughs> that green beans and whatnot. You're the one who told me you was going to be here forever and you left me. So uh. if you have left me and I'm just emulating you, why can't I leave too? I just don't see the problem. What we both demand in life and we demand in sports is equality and disparity. Mm. So I'm not going Mm. to sit here and say, yes, two wrongs make a right. But if it's going to be a wrong and we demand an equality, let's all be wrong. Because here's the other thing they say in sports, and this is my favorite quote from football, I promise you. If we're all wrong, we're all right. We're all right. I heard it. I heard it. But what's the balancing act between the flexibility you want as a prospect, as a player, 
and the instability that is being created because these guys are going year to year, different school. What happened to the whole collegiate experience? We know that was a farce and now it's dead. The collegiate experience is now a bank experience. Basically, how much you're getting paid to be in a certain place. Would you leave this show right after the show and then do that show and then leave right after that show? Then go to the next network, go right after that because it's always with upward mobility. What we're telling these kids is, hey, go to greener pastures. But what we're not talking about are the ones who go to somewhere else, lose that stability, have the flexibility, and it doesn't play off. It doesn't work out for those guys. As you said, isn't that I I don't want to say good, but isn't that necessary? Because that's life. No, that's losers create winners. Right. Yeah. So I think that's that's life. If you want to transfer and you transfer Tate Martell. Leaves Ohio State, goes to Miami mm-hmm. as a quarterback. He don't ever start in Miami either. Yep. Then leaves Miami and goes somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's life, big dog. That it is. doesn't always work out like Joe Burrow. You don't yeah, leave Ohio State, go to LSU, become the greatest quarterback in LSU history, become a number one pick and go to the Super Bowl year two. You can suck too. Mm-hmm. And I just think college prepares you for the real world. Just the real world. But in the real world also, there aren't greener pastures, at least in absolute form. Sometimes you just need to sit still and the grass is greener where you are. Yes, sir. If you just took care of it, yes, sir. watered it, good. and cultivated that damn soil. Coming up, Steph Curry has a reason to smile after the Warriors' big win yesterday, and we'll tell you if the Grizzlies can still win this series. That's next on Speak for Yourself. Don't let your kids go to four schools. Draymond Green was ejected in the second quarter yesterday after being called for a flagrant two foul on Brandon Clark. But the Grizzlies could not take full advantage of the situation. John Morant, game high, 34 points, but he missed a potential game win and layup at the buzzer. And the Warriors took game one on the road. Mm. Got to bring in Fox NBA analyst, the one only, one of the most astute in the game. That's Slick Rick the Buker. Basell, you up first. Can the Grizzlies still win this series? Slim to no chance of winning this series. Let's talk about me. I mean, Slim. Let's talk about the slim chance that they have. Shut up, Bacho. Of winning this series. Do you know that if the road team wins game one, that they actually lose the series more times than win the series. That's your slim chance. Now, let me tell you why you have no chance. Because you're going against the greatest shooter of all time who was off his game is Steph Curry, and you still lost Memphis Grizzlies. You're going against Klay Thompson, who is one of the top shooters of all time, and he was off his game, and you still lost. You look at this collectively, and you see that that team beat you guys without even playing their best. So when you see anything closer to their best, including Draymond Green playing all four quarters, oh, that slim chance might turn into no chance. So I don't see it right now. Memphis Grizzlies, you should have took care of business yesterday. Now you're going to see a situation where, hey, this is going to add up. With Steph Curry back on being Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, Draymond finishing the game, I think it's a wrap. It's a wrap. No chance. And I got to bring my best basketball take energy because off camera, I got Nick Wright is in the studio. We're going to get him a mic for the next segment. Oh, there it is. Um, with that being said, they have absolutely no chance because the Warriors just too veteran. Slick, mm. I know you watch the game and I know you watch it closely because you Bay Area and you rep them. Y'all remember there was roughly 36.8 seconds left. John Moran has the ball. Now, everybody and their mama knows, hey, John Moran, go two for one, big dog. Go two for one. You make it, you up. You miss it, it's all good. Just play good defense, you get the ball back, and y'all still have a chance to go down and win. But Ja, nor Ja's coach, goes two for one. What happens? No bucket. Next thing you know, the Grizzlies are scrambling. They scrambling, they scrambling. To me, Slick, this was the difference between an incredibly young and talented team 
versus an incredibly talented and wise team. There was that possession, and then we all know the final possession. Klay Thompson moving his feet, forcing a hard shot. Brandon mm -hmm. Clark, he's rolling to the basket. But the problem was Wiggins and his defense, he slides down to double off Brandon Clark and make sure to box out and get that board. It's not that the Grizzlies don't have talent. The problem is their talent cannot trump the experience and the veteran leadership of the Warriors coupled with the Warriors' talent. But also, I'll end it like this. Slick, if I were to tell you John Morant and J.J. would combine for 67 points, mm. Draymond Green would get ejected in the first half, and the Grizzlies would be playing at home, you would say, oh, Grizzlies, easy. Now, imagine mm. all that happened, mm. and the Grizzlies took an L. Yo, if you can't win mm. when Ja gives you 34, 10, and 9, you just ain't got a shot. We're going to see a lot of highlights, but we're not going to see any dubs from the, from the Grizzlies. Mm. Oh, gentlemen, come on. Don't put the fork in them. Absolutely, they can still win this series. Do I expect ah. them to win the series? I wouldn't go so far as that I expect them to win the series. But can they win the series? Yes, they can. First of all, let me get, I'm going to take this brick by brick and, and tear down the house that you guys just built collectively. <laughs> Number one, Marcellus. You mentioned that, and I knew one of you was going to go this direction. Well, yeah. Steph and Clay were off. And, as, and you can't expect that to happen four times in this series. But here's the reality. We haven't seen Jordan Poole, Steph, and Clay all on. And Jordan Poole more than took up the slack in this game, as he did in the previous series against Denver. But out of those five games against Denver, we only saw two games where all three of them we're on. So this idea that will Steph and Clay play better? Will they shoot better? Yeah, there's a very good possibility that they will. But will Jordan have the same sort of game? We did not see that against Denver. He was on fire through the first three games. The last two scored eight and 11 points. So there's that. And then for everything that you point to about the Memphis Grizzlies or say was off with the Golden State Warriors, I can give you tit for tat on that. Desmond Bain had the worst shooting game of his playoff career, uh, at the, this season at least. Dylan Brooks did not shoot well, shot terribly, also was in foul trouble. So they, the Memphis Grizzlies <laughs> are actually better when they have more balance. John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. dominating is not when they're at their best. If you saw them against the Timberwolves, it was when they spread the love. And I would fully expect that they are going to look at it this way. And come on, guys. I mean, for all, all the points that you made, they're legitimate. And, Acho, the points you made down the stretch are legitimate. And the experience, the advantage that the Warriors have in experience. But the fact of the matter is, for all of that, for all of that, John Morant had the ball mm -hmm. mm. at the end of the game yeah. with a shot to win it. So this idea that the mm. series is over, that they have no chance, I just can't go there because the Memphis Grizzlies have as many things to go to as the Warriors do that did not go their way in this particular game, and it was still only a one-point difference. Look, I respect you, Slick. You, uh, you did approach this brick by brick, and then the 
one of them bricks fell on your head because I don't know what the hell you're thinking about. Slick, we just went through this, and I was the victim of this. You sound like me in the Boston-Brooklyn Nets series. Remember game one? Went down to a buzzer beater. I'm sitting there with the losing Brooklyn Nets. I'm sitting there like, oh, man, guess what? They're going to be all right. It took all of that to beat them in a buzzer beater. And look, Slick, I'm just telling you, I know a loser when I see them because I usually love them. And let's talk about my Brooklyn Nets fandom and my Clippers (laughs) fandom. I'm just trying to help you out right now. What I saw was... I appreciate it. us. I appreciate it. See, I, I always tell y'all when I'm wrong, and I don't tell y'all much. Here's the thing. I love this situation for what it is. You either play your game or you take them out of their game. And I'm looking at the Memphis Grizzlies like, okay, did you really play your game? You were out-rebounded when you're supposed to be a better rebounding team than them. So that's an yep. effort thing, right? Yep. Did you play your game yep. or did they take you out of your game? Well, look at Steph. Look at Clay. They were taken out of their game. They didn't hit their shots. Whatever you want to say, it didn't add up for them. But over time, over a series, that's why this basketball is different. It's going to add Mm -hmm. up for them with the special bonus that they get from Jordan Poole, who outscored the entire Memphis bench by himself. Sorry, Slick, man. Feels like my Brooklyn Nets series once again. We know how that ended up. Yes, we do. Um, Slick, (laughs) poker, blackjack, where you at? Blackjack. Blackjack, yes, likewise. Slick, blackjack, on average, roughly 75 hands you can play in that six-deck shoe. Slick, I know this much, and it's happened to me before, big dog. If you get about 10 blackjacks, right, over the course of that uh, uh, 75-hand shoe, blackjack pays three three to two. If you hit blackjack 10 times and you still leave the table down, you ain't got a chance. Because if you can't leave the table up, when you hitting on blackjack 10 times, you ain't got a chance. If you can't beat you the be Warriors, playing. if you can't beat the Warriors, Man. score 34, 10, and 9, I'm not gonna say Josh shouldn't be playing. Mm. But the Grizzlies ain't got a chance, Lit. If you can't beat them when you have a field day, statistically, that's my biggest reason. But my second biggest reason, I've said this before, game one, opening series, Warriors. Jordan Poole's the biggest insurance policy and insurance plan in NBA history. Because Steph can be off. Clay can be off. But now you got Jordan Poole. And if Jordan Poole is off, you still got Stephen Clay. So Woo. it's not that the Grizzlies aren't nice. But keep in mind, the fact that Jordan Poole had a quiet 31. A quiet <laughs> 31? Come on, Slick. Mm-hmm. Look, here's the other element that you guys aren't considering. Because you're looking at it in a traditional sense. And I understand. They're mm. a young team. They're an inexperienced team. They had their best shot in game one. But here's the difference. The Memphis Grizzlies, for all those reasons, them being at home, them, uh, look, the odds makers may say that the Warriors came into the series as the favorites. But I guarantee you that, and I know that the atmosphere in FedEx Forum on uh, Sunday mm-hmm. was not with the Grizzlies being the underdog. Losing game one, much as they did against Minnesota, and then being doubted, is when they are at their best because that's when they get away from playing as young as they do. They were up by 13 in the second quarter and they're playing at home and they got their crowd believing in them. And these expectations for this for these Grizzlies isn't just the highest expectations that 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 they've ever had as a team. It's the highest expectations that have that the organization has ever had. Mm. They've never been a second seed. 
They've never come in the playoffs with home court advantage. And you add that to a very young team, they, uh, there's no question. They need to grow up in a hurry. But when they are doubted and when they are the underdog, that is when they are at their best. And I dare say they will come into game two in a different way. They, when they are in Golden State, when they are in the Chase Center, they will approach it a different way because they know that they are on the road. Sometimes they just get a little too full of themselves mm. and they play out of character. And that especially goes for Ja. I'm telling you, the numbers look great. Less is more with Ja Morant. When everybody is getting involved, when they've got four, five, six guys in double digits, that is when they are unbeatable. And that's what I'm expecting to see in game two. And if we go back to Golden State 1-1, then I still think this is a very competitive series. And look, Draymond Green being out the majority of it, that doesn't change the fact that the Memphis Grizzlies have proved over the course of the season that they are the better rebounding team mm. and that they have a size advantage on the front line. And that's what makes a distinctive difference between, say, Brooklyn and Boston, in your case, Marcellus. Yeah. Brooklyn was a one-trick pony. If KD and Kyrie are not going off, they don't have anything else to go to. The Memphis Grizzlies do. I like it. I like it. I mean, we're, we're obviously watching this series unfold right before our very eyes to see which team is better. But I don't think there's really a conversation as which team is greater than a sum of its parts. If you look at it, Golden State, that's where the experience kicks in, the championship DNA. They will always play greater than a sum of its parts. In a plus-minus game where Steph is minus nine and you still pull out that victory – that's what we're talking about. I don't know if you're going to see the Memphis Grizzlies play above their heads in terms of coaching and intangibles, and that may make this series. Coming up, we have breaking news on a suspension for Cardinals star DeAndre Hopkins. A lot to say about that next on Speak for Yourself. And Nick Wright about to work for free out on the West Coast. <laughs> We have breaking news in Arizona. Reports say five-time Pro Bowler DeAndre Hopkins is being suspended six games for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing drug policy. Hopkins had eight touchdown catches in a career-low 10 games last season. Acho, what's your reaction to this news? Terrible for the sport, terrible for DeAndre Hopkins. Mm. That's my reaction. It's as simple as that. Um, what you do not want in sports is one of your best players, one of the star receivers, a first ballot Hall of Famer, as long as he continues on this career trajectory. What you do not want is for one of your most talented players to get caught up in a PED violation. Mm. It's terrible for the sport. And also, DeAndre Hopkins, you got to know better, man. As I look, out at, look at a cell, he's going on year nine. <laughs> You're going on your nine. You're not a rook. You can't sit here and say, well, my trainer gave me something. My mm. homeboy gave me something. Mm. I was unaware. No, mm. no, 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 no. Mm. The days of those excuses are long gone once you become this much of a veteran in the game. But the biggest thing is it can almost be a mark on DeAndre Hopkins so pure legacy. Yeah, Dude is a baller. Talk. Let's talk. I mean, think about all the quarterbacks that DeAndre Hopkins both played and balled with. From Osweiler to Savage. I mean, dude had quarterbacks. 
that he still got thousands of yards with and then finally teamed up with uh, Deshaun Watson and finally was legitimately balling with a baller at quarterback. But DeAndre Hopkins consistently overcame a lack of talent, and DeAndre Hopkins was seemingly unblemished when it came to his Hall of Fame career. And now this Mm. is not good at all. It's not good for DeAndre Hopkins, and it is not good for the game. And you have to remember, there is no name that is above the game. So when you look at it, DeAndre Hopkins, and you got this six-game suspension, you made your bed, man. You made your bed. Yeah, man, I'm trying to stay above board when I respond to players who get caught with PEDs. Let me tell you what it has done. It's damaged his legacy. It's damaged the perception of DeAndre Hopkins. As you said, pretty pure legacy in terms of how you made your name, how you made quarterbacks look better than they really were in terms of their talent level, how no matter what adversity he faced in terms of his relationship with the quarterback, he made himself a bona fide Hall of Famer. But now that's going to be a different conversation when you look at DeAndre Hopkins. I always testify I don't respect anybody who gets caught with performance enhancing drugs in terms of respecting them and how they play the game. That's the cheat code. You know what I'm saying? Like if. I remember growing up, somebody said, hit the joystick two times left and then hit A, B button. And then all of a sudden you found the answers. You, you advanced to these levels. I don't know all the details of this because we're reacting to breaking news, but I know it's going to definitely stain his legacy. Now, another interesting part about this is this is a six-game six suspension. Last time I checked, that's not the first time when you get the six-game first time. So it's going to be interesting to see. Things have changed. Policy may have changed as well. So I don't want to indict him fully right now. I don't want to put that verdict in. But certainly in perception, things have changed. But think about the damage this DeAndre Hopkins suspension will do to Kyler Murray. Y'all remember the Cardinals started off 7-0 last year. Mm. They was balling. Yeah. Kyler gets hurt. DeAndre gets hurt. And Kyler did not look the same. Think about the damage this DeAndre Hopkins suspension does for the Cardinals' future. Hollywood Brown, as talented as he is when it comes to pure football speed and a deep threat, nobody would submit or suggest that Hollywood Brown is worthy of a first-round pick. Mm. But the Arizona Cardinals, knowing that they won't have DeAndre Hopkins because they knew of this information prior to us finding out of this information, knowing they don't have DeAndre Hopkins, they have to go out and say, Who in the world is available for trade and who can we afford? Mm. Okay, Hollywood Brown. Now the Cardinals were first forced to give up the number 23 overall pick in exchange for a receiver that the majority of the NFL world does not view as a number one pick. Kyler Murray, who has yet to get his long-term deal, is going to take a major hit. The Arizona Cardinals are going to take a major hit. And uh, Cliff Kingsbury is going to take a major hit as well. So this DeAndre Hopkins suspension, it doesn't just affect D-Hop. No, and the Cardinals knowing about it, like you said, made the move for Hollywood Brown. Cardinals knowing about it now may have an abundance of resources or they may have someone who basically won't get their proper amount of targets once D-Hop comes back. Just an ugly situation that obviously is fluid and we'll continue to talk about coming up. But right now, let's talk about my man Baker Mayfield. Because Baker Mayfield is right now in a situation where he's trying to figure out Where is he going to land? Ah, but Baker, he's still a Cleveland Brown right now, and the Panthers appear to be an option, but they drafted quarterback Matt Corral in the third round. Peter King wrote, if I were the Browns, I'd try to get a 2023 seventh-round pick from Carolina, pay 90% of his salary, good Lord, just to get him out of the Cleveland consciousness. It's crazy over there. I'll 
Baker Mayfield's days as a starter over? Unfortunately, yeah. Baker's days as a starter oh, are over to me. So you've arrived. I thought Baker was going to be a Seattle Seahawk. But the Seahawks over the course of the draft said mm. that they were lukewarm on Baker at best. Lukewarm at best. Oof. Now you look at the, a, uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Mm. Atlanta Falcons, why would you take Baker over Mariota? Okay, even if you don't want to take Baker over Mariota, you draft Desmond Ritter in the third round. You continue to look, and you continue to look, the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers, they clearly have no need for Baker Mayfield, not only with what they did with Sam Darnold, but also what they did in the draft of the quarterback position, also in the third round. Where can Baker go? Hmm. And if you are a general manager and you look at Baker Mayfield, is he worthy of actually acquiring? He's not going to come in and be your starter. And I don't even view Baker Mayfield as competing for a backup position, knowing all the distractions he comes with. Sell as I see it. Mm. Baker's days as a starter in the imminent future, at least. Done. Yeah, man. That fifth-year option is coming back to haunt him right now. $18.8 million right now. That check is now a reality check for Baker Mayfield because that price is just too steep. 99% of your purchases that you make come off of this assumption. How much is it? And if it's too high, I don't want it. Even if I love it, I got it's too much. And then you find Baker Mayfield in a position, no matter what team is out there lukewarm on him, how much? I don't want it. And that's where Baker Mayfield is in terms of the reality check. The only thing that will make you buck that mindset is that he's worth it. And no one is guaranteed to know if he's worth it. There are too many question marks on the field and off the field in terms of leadership with Baker Mayfield. So I just don't see anybody really sitting there taking the risk to try and find that reward of Baker Mayfield as their starting quarterback. Everywhere he looks is a situation that he either is not suited for or he's going to be challenged to fight for that starting position. Whew, what a reality check for you, Baker Mayfield. Tough sled. Coming up, Jimmy Butler wants to play against the healthy Joel Embiid. Tell you if he's keeping it at 100 or is that 99. Next, don't speak for yourself. Transitions. <laughs> on this show, we only know how to keep it 100. But others out there, y'all know y'all keep it 99. So each day, we're going to get to the bottom. Who's really telling the truth? Case in point, Joel Embiid will miss at least the first two games against the Heat. And Jimmy Butler actually wants to face the MVP finalist. Well, take a listen. Mm. I think I speak for everybody um, that's a part of this team. Like, we, we want Joe to play. We want to go up against him at, at, at full strength and prove that um, we can hang with anybody and we can beat anybody. Um, it's a mishap. I hope he recovers well and gets back very, very soon. He looked like he just smoked a pack of cools. Oh, I chose is Jimmy Butler keeping it 100 or 99? Jimmy Butler's keeping it 25, Sal. Oh, yeah. Because he made four yeah. statements and only one was true. Which one? The only one that was true was I hope Joel gets back out there soon. But we wanted Joel to play. <laughs> we wanted them to go out there full strength. Yeah. We want to prove we can compete against anybody. Lie, lie, yeah. lie. Yeah. But he does, in fact, hope they get out there soon. Yeah, look, it sounds good. That's what they used to say when I was growing up. Oh, that sounds sound good. good. But uh, you're not keeping it 100. You're keeping it 99. I know why people will always want to say they want the competition. Because you don't get the proper credit if you don't go through the competition. However, the path of least resistance... Mm. Uh, underutilized, they say in this world. Work smarter, not harder. I don't want to play MB. Let him come back after this series <laughs> to Cancun. That's it for us. Fox Bet Live next. 